Hey, everybody, this is the AFC Championship Preview Edition of the Jungle Roar Podcast, Episode 29 in Season Number 1. I am joined again by one of our regulars, might as well, the guy who sat next to me in Nashville, Tennessee, at Nissan Stadium for all of Saturday afternoon's epic on the Cumberland River. I don't think that exactly rolls off your lips, but that's James Rapine I'm speaking to for this episode of the Jungle Roar podcast. You can follow him on Twitter, as always, at James Rapine, all one word. He does tremendous work. He really does for SI.com and allbengals.com and the Locked On podcast. Uh, you psyched? You pumped and geeked for uh, Sunday in KC? Yeah, I was almost as excited as I was to to ride with you to Nashville and back, Jags. Uh, no, okay. I uh, <laughs> I think we'll get um, into that a little bit. Sure, I uh, no, I definitely excited. Uh, look, this this franchise has never gotten this close in my lifetime. I can feel it. You're right. I could feel the excitement in the city. I and not just the city, but you know, throughout every Bengals fan, it seems like that I see or uh, see on social media or whatever the case is. So um, I, I'm excited, but I want them to finish it because yes, it feels like there's so many people that are like, oh, they're young and they're this. no. <laughs> it, it, they've come too far now, and I get it's an improbable, surprising run. Right. But if they don't slay this dragon, then who knows what happens next year? And you know how hard it is to get back to the AFC title game. So they they got to take advantage. Nothing can be taken for granted. That's why I am with you a thousand percent when you say, or you kind of cringe when you hear people talk about, oh, it's been a great run. If they lose in Kansas City, still a great year. And I'm like, you want them to finish the deal. They're going to have to play close to a perfect game, I think. Um, certainly they're going to give up their points. You know, if you give up 24, 28 points, it's still a winnable game to me. What they cannot have happen, as I've said to you from the moment the Bills um, choked away that lead in the final 13 seconds and lost, uh, eventually lost in overtime to the Chiefs, is the thing they can't do is fall behind 14 points three different times at Arrowhead and expect to win the game. That's just not going to happen this time around. No, you're absolutely right. You get down 14 nothing, and you're not going to be able to hear. It's going no. to be too loud. It's it's over. And it, it honestly, it needs to be the other way where you need to get the, the Chiefs on their heels a little bit. Because even though they're on their heels, right, 14 nothing, 21-7, 28-14, even if you have that lead, they're not concerned just like you weren't that concerned going into halftime when it was 28-17 in Week 17 at Paul Brown Stadium. They've been there. They've done that. And so uh, a, a good start is such a big key. And I, I feel like I say it every week, but when you're on the road in the postseason, if you get down, I get it. You got Joe Burrow, you have all these weapons, but if you get down early by multiple scores, it is tough, so, tough to recover from. To me, the biggest reason they beat Tennessee on Saturday uh, in Nashville, they never trailed ever. They were ever. up. They were up 6 nothing. The game was tied. They went for two, um, didn't make it. It was 6-6. Six, six. They were up 9-6. They were up 16-6. Six. Uh, obviously, the Titans came back, tied it at 16. They never trailed on the road. And that is, to me, starting point number one. That is the top of the list in terms of priorities, in terms of winning a playoff game on the road. Yeah, 
I, I totally agree because it, if you get down and you have to throw it and you're forced to throw completely get one dimensional and, or maybe push the ball down the field, it just makes it really tough and defenses can tee off and they can do things. It, it, it's I, I'm again, I'm not saying it's impossible, right? If they get down 10, nothing, the game isn't over. Of course it's not, but you, you don't want to put yourself in that position because it's really tough to dig yourself out of. And uh, I think they know that. And uh, they've been really good at, you know, they trailed the Raiders three to nothing. And since then they haven't trailed. You're right. Right. That in they'll probably trail at a point on Sunday, but if it's three, nothing or seven, nothing, that's much, much different than chasing the chiefs and and you can't chase them. You want to make them chase you and you have the firepower on offense to hold them off a bit, but getting out to that early lead certainly matters. To a degree. I think that's what cost Buffalo on Sunday because uh, yes, they had the lead the final 13 seconds. They had the lead before that, but for the first three quarters of that game on Sunday, they were chasing the chiefs and it's just almost impossible from seven, nothing down 14, seven, 21, 14, uh, 23, 14, and it was 17, 14, then 23, 14, uh, they missed the extra point, but they were always chasing the chiefs and the Bengals don't want to find themselves, uh, in that position. I was there three years ago in Kansas city, the first of the four straight AFC championship games now at Arrowhead four straight, you know, uh, concluding this Sunday, uh, with the game against the Bengals. And in that game, the Patriots led, I think most people remember, 14 nothing at the half. The Chiefs woke up in the third quarter. Then you had a you know back and forth very, very similar to what happened on Sunday with the Bills. And you know, there in, in that position, the, the Patriots were lucky to win the overtime to- uh, coin toss. The Bills were not so fortunate on, on Sunday. But um, I think what it gets down to to me is can a team go into an environment like that and not have the situation be too big? That's where I love Joe Burrow. And Brian Callahan talked about this uh, with us on Zoom on Monday. And Lou Anarumo touched on it a little bit. Darren Simmons as well. If the moment's not too big, you can go anywhere and win a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it, it starts there. It starts with the quarterback. And he's not going to be scared or afraid or worried uh, about this situation, about this moment Not at all. And you expect him to play well in this moment, which is wild to think about for Cincinnati fans that, you know, never saw Carson Palmer play huge in a, a playoff game. Part of that had to do with the, his injury in 05. Uh, and, and then the other thing is, is Andy Dalton, it seemed like always seemed to, to end the season on a whimper in big moments and always seemed to shrink. Joe Burrow doesn't shrink. And, and it's not just him. It's Jamar Chase doesn't shrink. I, I mean, I'm sure the Chiefs are going to guard him differently, and you might ask me about that. Well, guess what? I'm not worried about Jamar Chase not being ready. Evan McPherson doesn't shrink. These guys have played in huge games uh, with a hell of a lot on the line, and they're extremely confident. And then on defense, they have a lot of veterans that have been there and played in big-time playoff games at the NFL level, and so that helps. So I, I, uh, I agree with you, Burrow. He's not going to... Uh, flinch. He's going to be ready. And I expect him. He didn't play great against Tennessee, right? The numbers are great. I think he did a good job of overcoming the things that he didn't do well, Mm -hmm. but he didn't play great. And I expect him to play great on Sunday against the chiefs. That doesn't mean they're going to win, but I expect number nine to be 
uh, on time, accurate, and everything you expect him part, to be. Part of the reason he was sacked nine times. Yes, the offensive line looked overmatched, totally yep. overmatched at times on Saturday. There's no question about that. Everybody blowing up, you know, our Twitter feeds during the game uh, when we were at the stadium and, you know, everybody saying how this offensive line is a joke, blah, 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 blah. Part of it was Joe was holding on to the ball too long. And you made a great point during the game. And I think it's, it's a very valid one that has kind of been su- substantiated by Burrow after the game and certainly by Callahan, Brian Callahan on Monday. It took him a while to recognize some of the things that Tennessee was doing. And when that happens, even with a second year quarterback, who's as bright as Joe Burrow is, he's going to have to learn to get rid of the ball and not take, you know, 10 and 12 yard sacks that put you out of field goal range. People forget that before Tennessee got the ball before Tannehill's interception, the Bengals were driving. They had Mm -hmm. taken the clock down from something like seven minutes down to about three, three and a half minutes, and Burrow takes the sack at midfield. That Mm -hmm. cannot happen in Kansas City on Sunday, right? 100% right. Can't happen. And if if your defensive coordinator, the Chiefs defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo, I get it. They don't run a lot of twists and stunts usually. I'm twisting and stunting like I'm doing hair. I'm I'm doing all of these different things that I can do to try to confuse this offensive line because that was the one time. And part of it was Burrow had a window to throw it away on, on the sack you're talking about, but there was someone on him so quick and he evaded that one, that defender, but he had to backtrack a bit. And then it led to him losing even more yards. You're right. It, it can't happen. Part and, of that though, uh, to me go ahead. is and not to interrupt you, uh, James, but it's my podcast. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to do. Um, by the way, your picture just went away. You still there? There you go. Um, anyway, I got lost. Uh, Burrow can't take <laughs> as deep of a, if he is that, if he is that deep in his drop, he's got to know if the read isn't there, I got to get rid of it right now. He can't yeah. turn his back. There's no, once he's, once he turned on that play, he was screwed because there was nowhere else to go. And they, yeah, had it, yeah, they did. And I will say though, I, I watched the all 22 and I, I think I know why he did that. Streaks guys open downfield. If he gets just away, that might've been the knockout blow. He might've had the touchdown and, and that was, that's part of it. Maybe that's why he did it. But to your point, it's probably three points with Evan McPherson and uh, right. the way he's kicking. You, you you have to play it safe to a degree, but it's tough. I'm, in 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 on on Sunday against the Chiefs, three isn't going to get it done. It's gotten it done the past couple of weeks, not this week. Here's the way I view that. I mean, I, to me, that I, I cringe a little bit when I hear you know threes. Well, three's going to get it done at the end of a close game, as we saw on January second. No. Okay. Right. It's they have to score touchdowns in the red area. That to me is where the Bengals have been poor. They've been bad and they've, uh, I wrote about it uh, today on clnsmedia.com. And that is the Bengals strength has on defense has been their weakness on offense executing Mm -hmm. in the red area. And I believe they are three for eight in the red area in the postseason. They are two for eight. Uh, you know, six for eight uh, in uh, defensive red area execution. So they've been great defensively, but they've got to score touchdowns in the red area and they can't run the ball for whatever reason, with the one exception of Joe Mixon's 
backside mm-hmm. run as a great seal on the backside that touchdown run that's been the only exception to them their inability to run the ball in the red area yeah the three touchdowns that's wild to me evan mcpherson has is responsible for 27 right of their 45 points like that's insane and, and yet it's very real uh, for this Bengals offense. And that's what I mean by three. Is it going to get it done? Of course, three matters at the end of the half. Uh, you're, I, I don't mean go for it every time. I think these, honestly, I, I'll say it, whatever. It's your podcast, but I'm going to say this. A lot of these idiots that say, all right, three is playing not to lose when it's like fourth and eight on the 30. No, it's not. It, you take points when you can get them. It Correct. matters. Points that's matter. Right. Ask the Chargers and Brandon Staley when they, went for it 52 times against the Chiefs and came up lame on every single Where's one. Where's Ben Baby? We need to bring Ben Baby in here out of a cloud somewhere and discuss this, but go ahead, continue. It's too cold for Ben. He's in his basement bundled up because it's too cold out here in these Cincinnati streets for him. But yep. totally, um, th- so that's the thing. You go for it when it makes sense to go for it. Um, you, you can't settle for three if you have the ball inside. That you, you need to find a way to score touchdowns. And the good news is I think it's solvable. I think they can do that, and they better do that if they want to beat the Chiefs. The other thing, uh, and we saw this against the Raiders, was the on-time shot, the dot, to C.J. Uzama for a touchdown pass in the red zone. That's what they've got to do. And Mm -hmm. they have got to find ways to get C.J. Uzama. I don't care if it's Uzama mixing deeper into the uh, uh, route to get him deeper, closer to the goal line. They've got to find a way other than the wide receivers in the end zone to score touchdowns. And, you know, until if they don't do that Sunday, there's no chance of them winning. Yeah. And and you know what that means? That means unique packages, unique things that, that maybe the chiefs haven't seen. You catch them off guard, Uh, Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor. This is your moment. This is the moment. That doesn't mean you get crazy, but you know, maybe there's a Chris Evans package. Maybe there's a wrinkle here. Maybe there's a wrinkle there where the Chiefs are thrown off and you catch them off guard. You don't want to leave any stone unturned in this game. No one expects you to win, which is a very dangerous spot to be in. I get you expect to win, but it's a very dangerous place to be in, in a good way, where you can just throw haymaker after haymaker at the Chiefs and uh, their offensive minds, right? So you would expect them to have a couple, couple tricks up their sleeve for sure. Okay, I want to get um, speaking with uh, James Rapine, uh, at James Rapine, all one word on Twitter, allbengals.com, does a incredible job on the Locked On podcast daily, only daily Bengals podcast out there. So please do, after you listen to this, uh, tune that in if you haven't already. But what I want to get to is everybody talks about Patrick Mahomes and their aerial assault. Of course, it's great. He can throw the ball to... Uh, Obviously, any one of Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Byron Pringle, McCall Hardman, as we saw. Uh, We saw Demarcus Robinson catch a touchdown pass back on January 2nd. But their running attack scares me more than even their passing attack. And that's because I think uh, the Bengals have been susceptible to uh, runs on the perimeter. Is that what concerns you the most about the Bengals defense going into Sunday? Uh, the most? No, 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 no. The most is, you know, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. But see, I but, think, I, come on, Trags. Are you serious? I, I think Jarek McKinnon and Clyde Edwards Alaire. Uh, I their speed concerns me because I'll I'm not saying they're not I'll good because they are concerning. They're playing well. I but it's they, 87 and 
Yes. But, Come on. But they know 87 and 10 are out there, right? We saw that on January 2nd. They had answers for, and, and, and part of it was the complexity, you know, and I wrote about this, the complexity with which they're playing defense, they're changing their defenses at different depths to handle Kansas City's passing game. The problem is, if you go back and look at that game on January 2nd, you go back and look at what the Chiefs did to the Bills on Sunday, the Chiefs' ability to run the ball and gash them, either with Patrick Mahomes right up the middle, as we saw a couple of times, or uh, with, uh, who was it on the uh, perimeter that uh, ran very, very well? It was, uh, help me out here. Uh, oh, it was uh, Jarek McKinnon. You already mentioned him. Jarek yeah, McKinnon, McKinnon had, had a couple of huge runs. Mm-hmm. That speed on the perimeter, their ability to run the ball does concern me, especially even on third and five. Are the Bengals sure. going to be able to make a stop? It, well, it's concerning, but is it the biggest? You know, and so that's that's it. But no, I agree with you. I think your overall point, are the running backs good enough to beat you? They are because you're going to be focused on those other things, especially, right? That's not your main focus. And so if, if they're beating you on the ground, odds are they're going to beat you through the air. And so that that part is tough. You don't want these running backs to get off and start going crazy and and, and, and all of that. At the same time, it's still scarier with 10 and, and 87. And I don't think, yes, maybe you think they can duplicate what they did on December se- or on, on January 2nd. Me, I don't. I think that is pie in the sky. But I, there's no way they hold those dudes uh, to what is it? 65 yards total, zero chance. I have the the, the stats here. I, I believe it was 65 yards total. Um, th- there's just no way that happens to me. Here, here's Maybe why that you doesn't bother me. If, go if ahead. Those, if both of those guys go for over 100, 125 yards, if they do so in between the 20s, I don't think the, this is right out of the Bill Belichick school of defense. I don't give a shit what you do between the 20s. You're not scoring touchdowns when you get to the red area. And that is precisely what Lou Anarumo, the Bengals defensive coordinator, talked about on Monday with us on the Zoom. He said, look, this isn't about yards. We don't want to give up four or 500 yards um, like we you know, did against the Jets, for instance. That was a horrible, horrible display, terrible tackling. <laughs> but um, we what what cannot happen is we cannot allow them to convert four or five in the red, red zone, or we're going to lose. And they've got to minimize the red area uh, opportunities for the chiefs to field goals and not let them score touchdowns. And to me, that's why they've won their first two playoff games this year. Yeah, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. Um, I, I just think I, I see what you're saying. And, and so to me, I'm still more concerned, maybe not Tyreek Hill, I guess, but Travis Kelsey in the red zone is a nightmare, right? Sure. He, he's very, very, he very won the tough. game in the red zone. Exactly. So <clears throat> that, that, that would still be my top concern at the same time. To your point, a lot of people do sleep on the idea that the chiefs have a good running game and they it's been up and down this year, but Jarek McKinnon looks healthy and explosive. And once upon a time, he was going to be the next great back in Kyle Shanahan's offense for the 49ers, and he couldn't stay healthy. And I thought he was going to go off, and I think a lot of people did. Looks like he's looking a lot like that guy that we remember. And then as far as uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Joe Burrow knows him very well. It, it, Joe Burrow made him a lot of money and vice versa. So, right. That's uh, true. You know, he's certainly a dangerous weapon out of the backfield. 
So it'll be interesting to see how Lou Anarumo comes up with a game plan, how much he changes, how much, how much do you think he's going to change his game plan? Do you think he's going to tweak some things or give him a totally different look altogether? Or do you think it depends on what the chiefs show him first? No, I I think he's going to tweak some things for sure. Right away. I I think you're going to have to, um, because if you do the same thing, the chiefs are just going to say, Oh, we studied this and and they're going to go to work. So they're, they're going to have to, he's going to have to have some wrinkles, the wrinkle at the end of that week 17 matchup was zero blitzing Patrick Mahomes on third down. You know, a lot of defensive coordinators fake the zero blitz against Mahomes. Lou didn't at that moment. You better believe Mahomes is going to remember that. What does he have in store now? Will he do that in that same situation? Will he not? How will he disguise it? That's uh, that's the chess match. Here's my theory on the zero blitz. You're going to zero blitz, maybe red area, uh, or red area out to maybe the 30. But the reason you don't zero blitz Patrick Mahomes um, any deeper than that, like at mid, let's say midfield, or, you know, if you have the Chiefs in their own territory, the reason you don't want to really zero blitz is it leaves one less defender deep. And that's where, to me, if you allow the Chiefs to exploit you deep over the top, that's where you can get in trouble. And that's where, and this is off the path a little bit, but what the 49ers, uh, what Tampa Bay did against Cooper I was Cup thinking the same thing. Was what inexcusable. A- you can't do that. Or uh, they say that it wasn't communicated and that the safety didn't get the call. That's why Cup ran right past him. But even so, that is a big gamble to take when you have the game tied and all you're trying to do is keep them you know, from getting to your 43 yard line. Yeah, it was ridiculous. What a ridiculous call that was. Um, totally agree. <laughs> I, uh, I thought that Brady was about Tommy to... on the sidelines. Yeah. Yep. 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 Keep rubbing it in. But uh, right, yeah, it, it was, it was ridiculous and you can't make those type of decisions. And uh, you know, speaking of that, like the downfield stuff, uh, I thought Chidobe Awuzie had his worst game of the year against the Titans. He got beat uh, multiple times. It was a tough matchup against A.J. Brown, this big physical receiver. He's going to have a chance to redeem himself this week and, and yep. live to, to play another day. And, you know, uh, hopefully for the Bengals' sake, he does because uh, the last thing you want to do is end the year on a, a game where you just get beat the way he got beat, it seemed like, time and time and time again. One of them, I think, on one of the uh, deep balls to um, A.J. Brown, he slipped and fell. The other one, he... Um, didn't turn around in time and uh, the ball came right over his shoulder and AJ Brown was at, that was a touchdown obviously. So anyway, um, yes, Chidobe has to have a better game. I think he will. I think he'll respond to the challenge. Um, It's a moment for Eli Apple. It's a pretty, pretty huge moment for Eli Apple. And I think the chiefs are going to test him early on to think, uh, to say, okay, Eli, you think you've come that far? Let's see. And I think they're going to put some speed on him and see how his technique holds up. And, you know, this, it's going to, that's going to be fascinating for me to watch early on in this game. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, look, if I, if I'm any of these teams, I get Eli's played well, I'm attacking that man. I'm attacking him and attacking him and attacking him and uh, finding ways to, to put pressure on him. He gave up the touchdown in that wild card round uh, to the Raiders. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And then, Last week, Zay Jones had the touchdown. And then last week, 
you know, he's, he's okay. Julio beat him a couple times, but you know, Julio is not the Julio we remember. I think that was pretty clear, but this is different. This is Mahomes and, and by, whether it's Byron Pringle or whoever, they have weapons now. And, uh, and it's not just one guy, you know, Pringle, Pringle is someone that you could look up and he could have two or three touchdowns on Sunday. And that would not shock me one bit. And uh, that means Eli Apple uh, isn't having his best day. So they're going to need him to play well uh, to have a chance. And ultimately, Trags, I think it comes down to offense. I, I do. I, I just I don't know if this defense is going to be able to slow down Mahomes and company. So the offense is going to have to make up for that. OK, let's. Uh, by the way, we shouldn't forget that Byron Pringle had a an 89 yard touchdown on a kickoff return that was called back right before halftime. That was a monumentally huge play. And then yep. seconds later was the Von Bell punch out of the ball in Tyree kills hands on the bomb uh, that um, Patrick Mahomes threw down the middle of the field. That still is giving Lou Anarumo nightmares because I think the reason it does is he's like, that better not happen this Sunday. We better not allow him to get, that far deep that by himself or Von Bell may not be in position to knock the ball out. Yeah. And I don't want, it was a great play by Von Bell. That's not who I want one-on-one with Tyreek Hill ever. Of course not. That's, Oh, like that's like buck style defense. Right. And again, not being mean to Von Bell at all, but uh, you know, that's where you you're hoping Jesse Bates is, or really one of your corners. That's what you want. You, you don't want it to, to be that situation, but Von Bell did make the play. Okay. What do the Bengals need from their offense on Sunday uh, in terms of Joe Mixon, Chris Evans, and the running attack? Because you're talking about playing defense against Patrick Mahomes. Total cliche coming up here. Cliche, Bell, ding, ding, ding. The best defense is keeping it out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. We all know oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> and. It is. And if the Bengals can find a way to run the ball against this front, which I think they can, I think that is their best way to get out to an early lead mm-hmm. to, to make sure that the track meet doesn't begin in the first half of this game. This is probably there's going to be a track meet element of this game at some point. What I don't think the Bengals want is for it to be in the first quarter, early second quarter, and for this game to get out of hand um, on the road. Yeah, I, I think that's fair, and, and they're going to need the run, right? They're going to need Joe Mixon to to play well, and he quietly had over 100 yards from scrimmage against the Titans and yep. played played pretty well in the second half, I thought, considering it, was, uh, it wasn't like there was a, a ton of running lanes. They're, they're going to need him to do that again, and he averaged 3.8 yards per carry against the Chiefs in the first matchup. You'll probably take that. You're hoping for a little better. You know, I think 4-2, 4-3, maybe even 4-5. You're hoping. But uh, you'll take it. You just need – it needs to be enough to where you can keep the Chiefs honest. There's another cliche. And, and, and just hold back the pass rush just a little bit where it's like, all right, Mixon's in the backfield. This could be a run. This might not. And then the other thing is I just want the ball in, in, in my, the hands of my playmakers in these big games. And so who is that? That's Joe Mixon. It's Jamar Chase in no particular order. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. CJ Uzama obviously has made some plays specifically in the, you know, the postseason, but it's also Chris Evans. And this needs to be, I've been saying it, it seems like I've been saying it for damn near three months. Chris Evans can be a difference maker and maybe they've been saving him for something like this, some kind of rainy day. Well, now it's pouring. 
now it's time to use him if you think he can help you. And I, I do. And I, I think the coaching staff is high on him. And so whatever it is, you have, you'll have two weeks to cook up something else. You just need to find a way to get through this Chiefs team. And so if they have a wrinkle or two involving number 25, then uh, they, they need to do it because Samaj P. Ryan damn near cost them the game. And I know that wasn't an interception. It was a BS call, but almost cost him the game uh, right. w- with his hands there. You can't have that this week. Nope. Um, yeah. By the way, I have come back off the ledge a little bit on that call. I still think it was pretty clear that the ground assisted that pick um, by uh, Hoop. Help me, Amani uh, Hooker. Amani Hooker. Hooker. Correct. Thank you. Um, I think the ground. Clearly- what did you say? Oh, no. Just go ahead. Stop it. Um, I think the ground clearly assisted Hooker in his his pick there. But whatever, the Bengals were able to um, come back after the Titans tied it off that interception and tied the game at 16. And uh, they showed some uh, real balls. I thought the Bengals showed total grit and determination on Saturday to win that game on the road with how much things had turned against them uh, in late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter. I want to talk about Kansas City's front as we wrap it up here. Uh, James, James Rapine of allbengals.com. I don't think enough people are talking about Chris Jones and Melvin Ingram. He is somebody who has made a huge difference in the Kansas City defense since he was acquired. And, you know, he was acquired in a trade with, with the Steelers. Do you think he could have a big impact on Sunday? And what do the Bengals do to account for him? 100%. He was someone that I thought the Bengals should have signed before camp. He ended up going to the Steelers and, you know, the Steelers didn't play him like they should have. And so now, yeah, he goes to the Chiefs for basically nothing. And uh, look, he's standing in the way of the Bengals. And, and one of the reasons why this Chiefs defensive front is so scary I totally think, you know, he can be a game changer on the edge. And, you know, depending on the metrics you look at, uh, Isaiah Prince played pretty well last week overall, uh, despite what it looked like from the offensive line. You need him to do it again this week. And then Jonah Williams, you got to rebound. You got to rebound and and be much better than you were uh, against the Titans. And he's certainly capable of that. And that's the thing is, is they escaped Tennessee with a win, but a lot of these guys didn't play near to their potential. And we know the offensive line is going to be an issue. Um, I, I think the good news is going into this game, you don't see them do the, the, you know, the chiefs defensive front, they don't do a lot of twists and stunts, right. but I would expect them because if you're Steve Spagnuolo, like I said, why wouldn't you do what, what that Tennessee defense did a little bit because it confused Burrow some, it certainly confused the Bengals offensive line and, uh, and, and it made it tough on the offense. So I would expect some of that. But to answer your question, yeah, I think Melvin Ingram still a game-changing type player. I was shocked that he was on the market for as long as he was this offseason. And uh, and the Chiefs got got a, a former pro bowler that's certainly capable of being a game-changer. They had four sacks and six quarterback hurries on Burrow on yep. January 2nd. Uh, yep. It wasn't as bad and brutal as uh, son, last Saturday in Tennessee. But still, this Tennessee, this Kansas City team is certainly capable of putting pressure on Joe Burrow uh, and the Bengals offensive line. The Bengals just got to be better, as we said earlier, uh, getting the ball out on time. I think it's another close game. I think it comes down to Evan McPherson, and I kick. I think he kicks the Bengals to the Super Bowl. You? I I still don't know, right? So we're recording this on Tuesday. No cop out. I 
it's tough. Um, I, I could certainly see that. I, you know, I, I'm sure I'm going to go back and forth. I went back and forth a lot last week before ultimately picking the Bengals. I'll probably do the same this week. Who knows who I'll pick, but it's, um, it's not out of the realm of possibility that that scenario plays out. And I would not rule that out. And I could ultimately lean that way, but man, they, they need to need to need to play a, a almost a damn near perfect game on offense drags. I mean, that's what it comes down to, to me. And if they can do that, and I think it's possible again with Joe Burrow through for four, what four, four, six and yep. four touchdowns. Correct. He might not have those numbers, he needs to play at that level, maybe even a little better. I mean, it, it's going to have to be a great performance. And uh, if he does that, you know, if this offense uh, plays to its potential, I, I think they have a real puncher's chance. 37-34 Bengals. Wow. Look at They're going to put up a lot. Of, I, I see a lot of they similarities between this Bengal team and the Patriot team that went into Kansas City back in uh, 2018. And I'll tell you, I think this Bengals team is more talented offensively. I really do. Um, yes, that team had Gronk and had Edelman and Rex Burkhead, who scored the game winner uh, in that game, by the way, in overtime for the Patriots. Um, but I think this Bengals team has more weapons that scare Steve Spagnola, and I think uh, the Bengals are going to get it done in the end. I, I think they have the mojo going, and I think it continues in KC. Yeah, it signed me up for that because that means that we're uh, going to SoFi Stadium, that we're going to, to the Super Bowl to cover that. And we're not Something driving. Up. So I did survive a trip, and you, more importantly, survived a trip with me down to Nashville. I was very impressed with how calm you were with me because I can be moody. <laughs> I can be manic, as I said many times in the car. I can swing from one mood to the next within you know, a snap of your fingers. Literally. No, it was fun. No, it, it was a lot of fun riding down and riding back. And uh, I think we made good time and it was overall, it was a fun weekend, yeah, but you're right. We, uh, we will not drive to, to SoFi if that happens, but we'll see what happens at Arrowhead. I, I know this, I'm looking forward to some barbecue. I've never been to Kansas city. Oh, the best barbecue. I all do respect to Can- uh, Nashville, which was terrific. We went to a nice place on Friday night. Um, but what we're going, what you're going to experience in Kansas city, was is something altogether different it is fantastic food fantastic can't wait i'm excited i can't you get wait there saturday it. is that the plan sometime yeah i think what i think what i'm gonna do is go to st louis and, and hang out in st louis on friday night oh and then, okay uh, break it up yeah and then go saturday morning good um yeah and then that way you know you knock out a couple cities you know have some fun and then sunday cover the game and we'll, we'll see who knows because you know may, maybe i'll just uh hitchhike from there to SoFi Stadium for the Super Bowl. You never know. All right. That sounds like it sounds like a plan. I don't think you'll follow through on that plan. I think not the actually... last part. Everything else is real, but not the last part. All right. That's James Rapine. He does an outstanding <laughs> job for Locked On Bengals, that podcast. It's the only daily Bengals podcast out there. Obviously, read his stuff on allbengals.com. Tremendous writer, great friend. And uh, happy to call him a traveling companion for AFC Divisional Weekend. You are awesome. You're awesome on this podcast, as you always are. Follow him on Twitter, at James Rapine, all one word. For James Rapine, I'm Mike Petralia, and this has been Episode 29, the AFC Championship Edition of the Jungle Roar Podcast.